Well, hi, welcome to the Vineyard again. My name is Randy. I'm teaching and prayer pastor here. And uh, though I'm not speaking today, I asked Adam if I could steal oh, 30 or 40 minutes from him. <laughs> Seconds, that's what I meant. Uh, just to make a, a special invitation to our prayer room. We had Ash Wednesday on uh, this last Wednesday. It was a great time here in the sanctuary. And today we launch our 24-7 prayer room. We're calling it Faithful. We feel like that God called us, told us to call it Faithful um, this season. And that comes from Psalm 37.3, dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. So that's our commission during Lent, the next 40 days, to cultivate faithfulness. And one of the ways that we do that as a church is by a prayer room that goes 24-7. So if you'll look back there, just look back there, and there's a big cross. <laughs> That's the prayer room. So every time you walk into the prayer room, you literally walk through the cross. You walk through the good news of Jesus, and you are in the presence of God. He's also here. He's here, and he's where you work. Praise God, he's where you work, right? <laughs> Um, but we dedicate a, a space for about a thousand hours during Lent um, to the prayer room. So um, uh, just to make sure everyone knows how to sign up, because we're doing it a little differently this year. Normally, there's a big poster out there, and we scribble it all over it. Um, this year, it's all digital. So um, there are QR codes everywhere in the building. You hit that QR code. It'll take you to a sign-up, and you can log in, create your login, sign up, and um, uh, make times in the prayer room. But I wanted to make sure that you knew exactly how to do this, so I'm going to do a small demonstration. You guys okay with that? It could be a little awkward here for a second. All right. So after you have digitally made your sign-up uh, in the prayer room, you've gone on to that website, you've put your name in, you've locked it in, you're good, you're ready to go, you will arrive at the church. All this prayer happens in that building. So you'll arrive at the church this is you walking into the church. See this? Isn't this fun? Okay. When you get to the front door, you'll ring the doorbell. You might have to ring it twice. You'll go, the person who's praying will go out and open the door. Okay, everybody watching? Oh, it's Jane. What a shock. Wow. Welcome. You'll escort uh, the next prayer over to the room. They will stand there looking lovely. You will gently, if it's appropriate, lay your hand on their shoulder and you will pray them in. We got a little card. You can use your own prayer. That's fine. But we've written a prayer for you so that you can just bless that person. Say, God, bless this person as they walk into the prayer room. <laughs> Jane's an activator. Like this, ready? Father God, thank you for calling Jane to this time in your presence today. Give her grace to trust and follow you this day, to dwell with you and to cultivate faithfulness. May she experience your faithfulness in her life and delight in you, committing all her ways to you. Holy Spirit, lead and empower her as she prays. Jesus, reveal your righteousness and truth to her. Make real your faithful and sovereign work in her life and grant her rest. God bless her this day in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. And off she goes. Clap for Jane. Obviously, when the doorbell rings, just imagine that part again. The doorbell rings. You're the one who's praying. You'll go do that. And you'll 
bring the next person in. After you finish your time of prayer, you've prayed the next person in, you'll walk back out into the lobby, you'll go over to the sign-up, and you'll sign up for your next time to pray. Here's my encouragement. Uh, I think it's been more challenging with the digital, so we don't have as many people signing up as we often do, so I'm encouraging you today. There are nine hours left even today to pray, 24-7, every day, all the time. So uh, uh, make sure that right after this service or in the middle of Adam's message, you click that QR code. <laughs> I'm really messing with Adam today. <laughs> click that QR code and sign up for a time in the prayer room. Bring your small group, bring your children, bring your friends, bring your family, bring your enemies. I mean, bring anyone, but spend some time in the prayer room cultivating faithfulness. When you walk into the room, you'll realize it's pretty intuitive. Just walk around the walls, read the signs places to worship, scribble all your prayers, draw your drawings, um, create art, post them on the inside, on the outside. There's a kid's area. So lots of opportunity to interact with God in lots of ways there in the room. Uh, after Adam's message, we'll have some time of ministry, and then we will pray in the first group today, which is uh, Nick Kane, our youth pastor, and some of his young men. So we'll pray them in at about 10 till 12. They'll be our first people in, and then, uh, do you have a question, Aaron? If you were prophetic, Aaron, you would know. No. <laughs> we're friends. <laughs> uh, the QR code is out by sign up and on all the signs around the building. Yeah. It is. There's a link on the website, but let's not fight about this. All right. <laughs> All right, why don't you stand? I want to pray for Adam as he uh, speaks to us. God, thank you for this uh, season of prayer for the church. Thank you for inviting us in. I ask, Lord, that each would hear and heed to your call, not from guilt, not from shame, but from an invitation of grace. And now I pray in the name of Jesus that you'd release your grace, your Holy Spirit upon Adam. Would you speak um, through him to us? Let us hear the good news of breakthrough. In the name of Jesus, amen. You can be seated. Amen. Thanks, Randy. You can give Randy a, give him a hand. He deserves it. <clears throat> All right. As Randy said, my name is Adam Casel. I'm the vision and administration pastor here on staff. Um, our mission is to encounter the love and power of God and give it away to the world. Um, if you're looking to get more connected, there's um, a digital uh, QR code. You can fill out a connect card. You can do one manually. Um, but the best thing you could do if you are trying to get plugged in is to sign up for our weekly email. So be sure to get us um, your email. Um, man, happy second winter, right? <laughs> Fall spring was a liar, and I fell for it. Lord willing, it won't last long. All right. Uh, so about 14 and a half years ago, Carrie and I, with our uh, two oldest sons, because we only had two at that time, moved into our first home. It was a great kind of starter home uh, for us, and uh, the, the person who lived before us, she was a, a single woman and had a huge dog, and she would keep her dog outside in the backyard, that fenced-in backyard, all day long. So the front yard looked nice, had good curb appeal. The backyard was a dirt lot with patches of grass. So we moved in in like August. Um, we weren't going to do anything with that. It was our second spring. Carrie comes up to me and said, we got to do something about the yard. Because it was, we would mow it, 
but it was like this dust ball in the backyard. I'd be covered in dirt coming in because the patches of grass would still grow. So I, I sighed. Yeah, you're right. So she gets the seed and some hay and a little hand tool to kind of aerate the ground. And I, I don't remember what time of year it was. I'm guessing it was spring. I can remember it being a, a sunny day. It's kind of cool out. But I'm in the backyard working on this hard ground, trying to get it to, to break up. I'm a bit embarrassed, but I was, I was grumbling the whole time. Oh, this is stupid. Why are we doing this? This is below me. I was working at a church. I'm on staff at a church. I shouldn't be taking care of a yard. And in the midst of this grumbling, I don't remember what it was exactly, but this, this thought pops in into my head, this is what I do. Like, oh, yeah. And I just stopped, and I was like, ugh. Because I knew that wasn't my thought. It wasn't like a, I'm resigned to this is my life now, breaking up ground in a, in a yard. It, it was a quality far higher than my own, quality of voice fi, far higher than my own. It's like, this is it. You want to be a pastor? This is it. And so I just, I repented. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, Lord. And it was key because I did start shifting and realizing kind of how I view different types of work. In that moment, I had an encounter with the kingdom of God. And so for all of us, I think it can be maybe easy for us to miss these moments, or to, we have these moments, we know something happens, but what do we do with it? And I just want to say to any of you in this room who maybe you, you are so fearful of, of missing when God's speaking to you, don't worry. He's patient Three strikes and you're out is not an ethic of the kingdom, all right? If you miss it, he'll, he'll keep trying to get your attention. He knows you. He's incredibly patient. For, and likewise, for anybody who's like, well, if God's trying to speak to me, there's no way I'll miss it. Well, you might be able to. So <laughs> slow down. Take a deep breath. All right, as we look at this, turn uh, to Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Um, we'll, we'll read it in just a minute but give you a moment to get there uh, digitally. We've got Bibles up front if you uh, want a hard copy. So we are right now in the midst of a series called The Way of Jesus. The first half of our series was looking at Jesus. And we spent those first few weeks looking at the attributes, of just a few, a few of the attributes of God that we see in Jesus. So that as a reminder, that first week, Randy talked about how Jesus is the way. The way of Jesus is Jesus. The way you, you look at him is just who he is, and, and we live with him by who he is. We, we talked about his holiness, his kingship, his mercy, his love, his wisdom and power. And now, for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about living with Jesus. Still the way of Jesus, going from looking at him because worship matters, but now living with him. The reason we want to do that is because as kingdom people, we get to become like the king. Those attributes of Jesus that we looked at were what, we, what theologians call communicable attributes. Those, thing, those aspects about who God is that we can 
actually imitate and have in our lives. One of our values as a church, we've got our six values on, on these walls, is personal transformation. So becoming like Jesus in character and action. So we live with him in the world to become like him in the world. How do we do this? That's a question that the church has wrestled with for millennia. How do we help people become like Jesus? And so over these next few weeks, we're just given a few tools for your tool belt about how to, to live with Jesus. So, you know, we life of living with him, we get to hear from him, and then he calls us to do something with it. Uh, so the first tool that we're going to look at is from Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. I just want to say as I start, these are a deep couple of verses. It would take a bunch of time to unpack. We're just going to look at a few things. And um, I would argue that Mark is actually here, in these couple of sentences, giving us what his account is all about. It's about the good news of the arrival of God's kingdom. So let's look at Mark 1, verses 14 and 15. Mark writes, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Let's pray. Lord, we trust that the kingdom is near. We trust that this morning we will have an encounter with your kingdom. And thank you for the grace that is here, and I ask for more. More of your grace in our lives. Lord, what you have for us, would you open our hearts and our minds to hear and to receive it? and then to know um, what you're inviting us into. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I was saying, I, I think these couple of verses are actually Mark's summary of what his gospel account is all about, which is why these are such a dense couple of verses. Right, I'm going to only touch on a few of the, the words and ideas behind it. My notes will be, um, on the website, but I want to be conscious of time as we launch our first group into the prayer room this morning. So the number one thing that I want for you to, to take away this morning is how to discern when the kingdom of God is near and what to do about it. So how do we discern that the kingdom of God is near and what do we do about it? We're going to answer three questions. What is Jesus doing? What is Jesus saying? What does it matter to us. So what, what, so what? What's Jesus doing? What's he saying? What does it matter to us? First part, what is Jesus doing? Mark says Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. That word for, for proclaim has to do with like both it's a political announcement and a prophetic proclamation. So Jesus announcing the kingdom of God is both uh, political and prophetic. So political, here's what the king, small k, is doing. Prophetic, here's what the king, capital K, is doing. Right? This is 
This is what the king says, and this is what God says or is doing. Jesus is actually entering into a hotly debated topic of his day. Groups of faithful Jewish followers are trying to understand what is the kingdom of God? What does it look like? How will we know when it's here? And so Jesus is saying the kingdom is, is near. Now is the time. And what he's proclaiming is the good news of God. And I'm going to say more about that later. But again, this is a general statement that Jesus is encapsulating his ministry. What he's about is proclaiming the good news of God. And he did, would do it a variety of ways. And when Jesus announced the kingdom through his teaching, uh, through his miracles, people had to do something with it. They would look at each other and wonder, who is this guy? Who talks like this? Who teaches like this with this kind of authority? Who, who can tell a paralytic to stand up and walk and it actually happens? So people, as, as Jesus is going around announcing the kingdom in various ways, people have to decide what to do with it. So very short, what Jesus is doing is, is proclaiming the good news about the kingdom. So what's Jesus saying? The words that Mark records from Jesus are, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe in the good news. Greek has two words for time. One is chronos, like the way we measure, you know, it's 1119 on February 18th, 2024. That, that's chronos. But then there's another word, kairos, and that has to do with an event. So it obviously it could take place a moment in time, but it's this, it's, it's something significant. So it can be positive or negative. We all have these, these moments in our lives. An anniversary, a birthday, a sickness, one of those things of where were you when? Some of us remember exactly where we were when September 11th happened. Some of you, a little older than me, knew ex know exactly where you were when Kennedy was shot. Or you remember where you were when the, the Challenger exploded. These, those are Kairos moments. You may not know the exact time of those things, uh, but they were significant. They can be big or small. So my moment in the yard, grumbling, complaining, and Jesus in his mercy speaking to me in the midst of it was one of these Kairos moments. Again, a moment in time that, that led to a key moment in our lives. The event that Jesus is talking about, he said the time is fulfilled. Essentially, now, here we go. This is it. The, you guys have been counting down, like kids to, to Christmas. This is it. It's here. The time is fulfilled. Get ready. This event that Jesus is talking about is the kingdom of God coming near. He's essentially saying, are you awake? Are you ready? For all of us, we're asleep to something. And part of growth is waking up to those things. 
These kairos moments are when we wake up even more. In fact, some of us have these key moments, and we refer to them as wake-up calls. Those moments, maybe your husband or your wife comes to you and says, we need counseling. It's like, oh, I thought we were doing all right. That's a wake-up call. Maybe you've had a friend express concern over how they've noticed you self-medicating. That's a wake-up call. Getting put on a performance plan at work, a wake-up call. Maybe the last time or a time you went to the doctor and your physical, the numbers were bleak. It's a wake-up call. So again, Jesus is saying, the time is fulfilled. Get ready. Today is the big day. And what Jesus is proclaiming, the kingdom of God, that he's saying the fact that the kingdom is near, this is good news. This is really good news. So again, to, to make, make this connection really clear, we looked at what Jesus do, is doing. He's proclaiming the good news. And what he's saying is, the time is here, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. The good news is that the kingdom is near for Jesus. That's the, the gospel, according to Jesus, is that, that the kingdom is near. In the same way that if somebody comes in and says, I've got good news, i got the job, you wouldn't say, that's great, so what's the good news? <laughs> Jesus is saying, the kingdom is near, repent and believe the good news. Jesus is going around telling people the good news. Again, I, just want, I want us to really make sure we get this. So from Jesus' perspective, the good news is that the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom is wherever God is in charge. When God has say-so over something, that's evidence of his kingdom. This is a new way to live. Jesus is saying, there's something more. There's something better. Are you awake? Years ago, um, from a, a man I really uh, admired, I heard him say, the number one thing that people who don't know Jesus most need to hear is the gospel. And the number one thing that people who do know Jesus that they need to hear is the gospel. The good news... The kingdom of God is near. Now, this idea of near, I think in Mark is intentionally have, has multiple layers because Mark's a really good writer. So this near, it can mean spatial. I'm, I'm near the music stand. It can be temporal, meaning it's about to begin, or don't worry, it's almost over. The end is near. For us, Lent is near. It's, actually, it's upon us. It also has a theological significance, too. God is near, which is a, a sign of his approval. That's what Je Jesus is saying. 
the approval of God is here. So then as we move into further what Jesus is saying, he says, repent and believe the good news. For those of you who are able to join us uh, Wednesday night as we did the imposition of ashes, Randy and I said, repent and believe the good news. Lent is a repenty season. And it's really unfortunate that this has become like a curse word. Right? When we hear the word repent, we think this fire and brimstone, turn or burn kind of preacher. Re- repentance is a beautiful invitation. Because it means we could be heading toward death and we get to turn around and walk back toward life. Or it could mean that we're just slightly off course and we need to do a a slight course correction. I'm sure some of you have heard this, but if you are one degree off course, after 60 miles, you will have missed your target by a mile. So if somebody were to tell you, head due north, exactly, due north, you will reach your, in 60 miles, you'll reach your destination. If you're at 359 degrees or one degree, you will be a mile away. If you go that 60 miles, you'll be a mile away. So if we course correct, repentance is just a slight turning. I need to go this way. All right, that's all it is. If we correct early on, it's repentance, but it's not major. Later on, may require major change. Now, repentance isn't just from bad things or repentance from good things done for the wrong reasons. We all need to repent from those too. But it could be something good, really good happens, and we want to orient ourselves even more to the kingdom. We notice, oh, that was really good. I want that to happen again. I hope this works out because it came to me right before I came up here, but repenting is like sweating. Stay with me. It's not fun. There's certain times you really don't want to sweat, but it's good for us. We may be sweating because we're sick. We got to get, get that thing out of us. Or it's because it, you had a really good workout or spent some time in the sauna. Both ways, it kind of it gets rid of the toxins. Repenting is a way of getting rid of those things that are hindering our walk with the Lord. Or, like I said, something really good, and we want more of it. Really good workout. You want to, want to do it again. The idea of repentance and even the way Jesus says it, it's not a one-time act. It's continual. It's daily. It may even be moment by moment. But Jesus doesn't just say repent. He gives us something new to do. Believe. Believe the good news. Like repent, it's not a one-time act. It's continual. It's daily. It's moment by moment. Both 
need to happen together because if we repent, we create a vacuum and nothing exists in a vacuum. So, so we can't just say, I'm not going to do this thing today, whatever it is that we want to get out of our lives, but what's going to take its place? For example, you want to give up caffeine afternoon because you want to sleep better. What's going to replace it? How will you plan to prepare for those caffeine headaches, that craving, etc.? That's the belief. The repent is no more caffeine afternoon. Believe, what am I going to fill that with in the meantime? Since we are in the moment of the season of, of Lent, we often associate with fasting or abstaining from different things that we enjoy. And it's been my experience that the fasting that we are able to carry out to say, all right, I'm going to do this for three days, abstain from this for three days. The times I've been successful is because I've, I've filled that fasting with a feasting of sorts. So I'm going to abstain from media to spend time with loved ones, to be present to the person in front of me, or to do some reading, or to get more sleep. Right? If it's, if we, so if we just kind of cut out that media, it'll be easy to go back to it if we don't feast on something else. So this belief is about an action, and I'll talk about that in a moment. Belief, from the perspective of the, the writers of Scripture, isn't just about intellectual assent. It's about trust, faithfulness, and allegiance. In fact, a newer translation of the New Testament from um, Scott McKnight called the Second Testament he translates this as convert and be allegiant to the gospel. Jesus is saying, turn from your way of doing things and turn to God's way. Trust him and his provision. Trust that he is near. So we're looking at, again, how to discern that the kingdom is near and what to do about it. Jesus is announcing the good news that God is, is near and we can turn our, from our ways and trust his way. Again, this is something that's continually happen, happening for us day after day, moment to moment. So we looked at what Jesus was doing, proclaiming the good news, What's he saying? You know, the kingdom is near. Repent and believe the good news. So what does it matter to us? So I've got, I came across something years ago um, about how to walk through these moments. We have these moments when, when we have an encounter with God or with his kingdom. We, we hear from him in some way. And so what do we do about it? Because these moments are about our growth development, and maturity. And it's from a book called Building a Discipling Culture. Um, so the if, you, if you look at the titles of our messages during this part of the um, series, it's from this book. So I'm going to walk us through this tool 
um, that you might be able to, to utilize. And really, it starts with noticing. The way we realize that the kingdom is near is we notice. As I said earlier, we're all asleep in some way. So we get to wake up. Some of the things, as, as we put this into practice, are easier for us to notice than others. Those, those bigger events, it's easier to notice that this could be a Kairos moment, but they can happen, like the example I gave, in your backyard in the midst of grumbling. So go ahead, Bjorn, put that first slide up. So <clears throat> this, this circle, that X, kind of marks that moment in time as you walk through this idea of repenting. So you, you start with observing something that happened. This could be you say something, like the words of your own lips resonates with you on a deeper way. Like, oh, the Holy Spirit might have been on that. Like I've had that at times as, as a dad to my kids saying something, kind of challenging them and realizing like the Holy Spirit's saying it right back to me. Like, oh. Maybe you notice a surprising emotion or thought. Maybe you're surprised that the emotion happened or that it was stronger than what it seemed like the stimulus warranted. You got angrier. You got angry about something that somebody said or did, or more, more so than you thought maybe should have happened. Another one of these events, maybe something like the beginning or the ending of a relationship. So you leave a, pos a work position or you start a new one. Uh, a romantic relationship begins or ends, a friendship, or maybe attending a certain church. Again, while, it's while this one side is called repent, it's not just about turning from something bad, but more about turning toward God. So if something good happens, we want it to happen again. The big thing, don't fly past it, observe it. Reflect on it. That's the next part. Start asking yourself questions. So somebody says something, you say th something that resonates. Why did what I say, said or, or somebody else said reverberate so much in my soul? Why did I get so angry about that? Why, why did that comment hurt so much? Reflection in the beginning or ending of relationships is, is maybe just allowing excitement or grief to be there without judging it or trying to change it into something else. So as you kind of reflect on asking yourself questions around what happened, what you observed, then you move into discussing it. Discuss it with the Lord. Jesus. How do you see this? What's going on here? What, what do I need to know? Involve others. Really, the, the res, from this kind of discuss until we move to the other side, is really involves other people. So if you have trusted friends, invite them in to what's going on. 
This really shows about the importance of community. I'm excited our, our small groups are doing really well because this is where church happens in small groups. The other, the other reason to involve other people is very few of us are legitimately self-motivated. It's okay. It's just the fact. Vast majority of people need external accountability. Thank you. I heard that it's true. The big question, so the, these parts, the big question you're trying to ask yourself is there at the bottom. What is God saying? That's what we're in the midst of it. What's God saying? And as we sift through that, maybe get some insight, you move to the believe side. As I said earlier, oftentimes we can reduce belief or faith to intellectual assent. But from the perspective of the scriptures, we see that it's action. There's an action associated. For example, Jesus says, sell all you own. Yes, Jesus, I am willing to sell all that I own, and I believe that you said that. That's not what he said. Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. Yes, Jesus, I will love the people that I like until it hurts. Oh, by the way, I have a low tolerance for pain. It's, it's confession, but, you know, we're among friends. Jesus said, hey, get coffee with that person. Yes, Jesus, if they say or do something I find interesting, I'll invite them to coffee. Right? It's not about a willing, just willingness, but actually doing the thing that he's inviting us into. So there may be a physical time and space activity, or, you know, we realize a thought pattern for ourselves or, or consistent emotional responses to things. And so maybe it's doing the work to be able to change those things. The first part of the, the believe is to plan. That, this involves seeking first the kingdom of God, asking the Lord, okay, here's what I think you're saying. As I do this, what, what's the step for me to take? And it might be something you would not have thought to do. In fact, I think there's probably a good chance he's going to invite you into something you would not have thought to do. As I shared, a part of my sabbatical is finding out what's really restful for me. And as I've started kind of asking this question, kind of pressing into this, one of the things that I felt like as a part of it, it's not the end-all, be-all, but as a part of it is to have a day where I don't look at my phone. Part of the reason I know that's from the Lord, I was looking for activity. What's an activity to do that will be restful? He said, oh, just be still. Be where you are. Okay, do you have anything easier? Can I do a daily hike? That way I checked it off my list. That feels restful. So the next part, account. So you, once you know you have this, this again, you're involving your friends in this, that external motivation. 
Let them know what you're going to do because we want to actually do it. Find someone who will remember and ask how you're doing. This is Okay, some of us probably have hang-ups with accountability groups. This is not that. This is not coming in telling how many times you sinned the last week. All right? It's, they're going to ask you about the progress. They're, it's for celebration. How'd you do? You did it? Way to go. You only, Adam, did you not look at your phone for 24 hours? No, I gave in after 12. Hey, you did 12 hours. You were asleep for eight of it, but that's fine. We'll still celebrate. <laughs> Again, it's not about how many times you messed up, but about progress. And find people who know it's not theirs to do, and they're not going to offer unsolicited advice, but will ask the question, hey, how can I help? What do you need from me as you, as you go through this? Then the last part. Act. In the words of Nike, just do it. Just take that first step. Be willing to fail. To kind of level set expectations. You'll do it poorly. That's okay. Do it poorly until you can do it well. But we're trying to answer the big question. What am I going to do about it? So what's God saying? Enter into rest. What am I going to do about it? For me, step one, not look at my phone for a day. So Jesus came announcing that the kingdom of God is near. We get to repent and believe the good news. God's speaking to us because as sons and daughters, he loves to be in communication with us and invite us into a, a life more like Jesus. So hopefully this tool helps us kind of discern when the kingdom is near and then what we're to do about it. So as I walk through, ask the question, what's Jesus doing? He's proclaiming the good news. What's Jesus saying? Saying that the good news is that the kingdom of God is near. What does it matter to us? There's a tool now for us to process through these situations to ask the question, what's God saying to me and what am I going to do about it? And realizing that those can come in a, in a variety of ways. Right? It could be through our daily activity. Maybe it's in the midst of devotional time, reading, interacting with a friend or a coworker or a loved one. God's willing to speak to us in a variety of ways. And so how are we noticing the nearness of the kingdom of God? Well, I want to give us an opportunity uh, to respond this morning. And so uh, ministry team, if you could come forward. Amy, thank you. So maybe the Lord's stirring something for you, that something is, is being highlighted from this past week that you noticed. Um, our ministry team would love uh, to pray with you as a, maybe a, a part of that. Um, the response to what uh, God is doing. 
Um, as a reminder, in, in a few minutes, Randy's going to pray in our, our first prayer room um, group, but um, we'll have, and everybody's invited to be, to be a part of that. Um, but tied, tied to this message, and maybe something for us, for some of us this morning um, to respond to in ministry time is um, we have every week prophetic discerners who sit up here if you feel like God's speaking to you um, for something that might be for the, the whole church to come and share that with them. Well, a couple of weeks ago, um, we had two different people say the same thing. It was around this idea of repentance. Two different repentance words. And that um, one of them was around how oftentimes repentance leads to revival. Times of of revival, God brings repentance for an individual or, or groups of people in orienting themselves away from their own way of doing it toward the kingdom. And another is that repentance also brings freedom. And so if there are certain things that we are struggling with, that first step um, is repentance. This willingness to turn from our own way or maybe trying to do it in our own strength and turn to Jesus and, and receive his grace and his insight into that, that area of our lives. So if either of those um, resonate with you, our ministry teams would love to, to pray for you, pray with you. Um, I like how Randy said this, I think it was last week. These are ministry teams. They're not advice teams. So as you come forward, you know they're going to pray. They're going to seek God with you um, and for you and share what they think God is saying and, and invite his work. And so give you a moment to respond to that. being ministered to, I'd just like to ask you, we're going to do this sort of fun style. I want you to make a tunnel right here. So people on this side, on that side, and then that tunnel has to end up spitting people into the prayer room. So if you can just line up right here, everybody, if we could, we'll just do the whole thing. We'll pray everyone together. So make a little, okay, and I need Nick, Aiden, Simeon, come on up to the front. Um, this isn't one of those things where you hit them on the way through. Just bless them on the way through. You guys want to stand right up in the front here? Go right there. Okay. So that make sure that they get turned. Don't, send, don't let them out the door. They got to make the turn all the way into the prayer room. Who's at the prayer room? Who's at the mouth of the prayer room there? Somebody put their hands up. Okay. All right. Great. Okay. All right. Let's pray these people in. Just put your hands up and out. Father God, thank you for uh, calling Aiden, Simeon, and Nick into this time in the prayer room, and eventually Baden, right? (laughs) 
God, in your presence uh, this day, bless them. Give them grace to trust and follow you this day, to dwell with you and to cultivate faithfulness. God, may they experience your faithfulness in their life and delight in you, committing all their ways to you, Holy Spirit. Lead and empower them as they pray. Jesus, reveal your righteousness and your truth to them. Make real your faithful and sovereign work in their lives and grant them rest. God, bless them this day in the name of Jesus. Amen. March on out. Give them a lot of hoots and hollers. All right. As they go into the prayer room, they will begin to create, to write, to worship, to pray. Just as a reminder, if as you're looking out there, you think, oh, I want to sign up for a time to pray, but there's no one before this spot, how would I get into the church? Um, the prayer of faith will release you in. If that doesn't work, there's an on-call sheet on the outside of the door. So there's a phone number for every time of the day. Call that person. They can uh, let you in remotely. With uh, They'll unlock. So you never have to worry. You'll be here uh, and won't be able to get in. And uh, if, if somebody doesn't come behind you, you call that same person. All right. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And sign up for the prayer room. Amen.